You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of The Homeschool Dropout. We've got such a special episode today. I'm so excited about our guest. Today, we have Natalie Goodman on the show. I think homeschoolers have a really weird way of finding each other. I first interacted with Natalie while I was in my undergrad. We were going to the same university and to pay for college. And actually, Natalie, maybe help me remember this right. To pay for college, I had started a small tutoring gig on the side. Somehow I was introduced to you and I found that you had this whole like empire of homeschool tutoring (laughs) that you had already built on your own. I ended up working for you for the company, maybe unofficially, for about a year or so. I was in my undergrad, taught an algebra class, I think. We met regularly. We workshopped ideas, business ideas, tutoring philosophies. I think I tutored Rachel, your younger sister, for a bit. And then I definitely worked with Spencer on algebra and chemistry for a while. That was about a year or two ago. Really big fan of your family. Happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm really happy to be chatting with you. It's really fun to catch up. And I I think our moms actually were talking and that's how we got introduced to each other. I don't remember exactly the specifics, but I think they realized we were both tutoring math and they were like, oh yeah, let's let's have them talk to each other. My mom loves making connections. So that's probably what happened. I always enjoyed our conversations, Natalie, and I always felt like you had great things you were doing and contributing to the world in general. And then coming from a homeschooling background, I think it's really rich. So let's take the listeners through your path. Why don't you start, just give some generals on your homeschooling, high school, and then you went into college and then what you're doing now. Got it. I was homeschooled from kindergarten through 12th grade, but in the midst of that, I did some online classes. I was technically enrolled in an online charter school for a while, and I did also go to a couple of classes at the local high school, and it was really fantastic. I liked that. After I finished my homeschool education, I went to Brigham Young University and I graduated with my bachelor's degree in accounting. After I graduated, I, well, I actually was accepted into a master's program at the same university, but I decided that I had a really good job offer and I was just going to go for it with the bachelor's and the job offer instead of going through the master's. So I started my career at Ernst & Young. It's one of the big four accounting firms. Very cool. And after that, I started working for Moss Adams about a year ago. It's another mid-sized accounting firm, and they just opened a more local office. So now I'm doing consulting for them. So cool. I just love consulting. I've always thought about consulting. Do you enjoy it? I do. I guess I really wanted to get into consulting, but I wasn't sure how exactly to get into consulting. And I was really happy that it just sort of fell into my lap. My last job, I was actually doing taxes. And so when the job market got great, they said, you have accounting experience at the big four, so please come work for us. I've heard that move from taxes. Like if you stay in the taxes path, it's like a, it's a very set path. It's very well understood. And here's what you'll make and and all the times that you'll make that. And sometimes accountants, they're nervous about leaving the tax path because there's less security. Is that, is my understanding correct there? Yeah, in some ways. And I do think I chose tax because of the security and because of the work from home potential. But now 
post-COVID, the world is different. And I have work from home capacity in all accounting fields, which is fantastic. And I do currently work from home. So it's fantastic. So nice. That's so nice. Okay. Well, I could spend a long time there, but let's back up for the listeners a little bit. So you, through grade school and high school, you didn't go to public school at all, aside for some online classes. Is that right? I did take two in-person classes at the high school in my junior year. Okay. So what led to that choice? Why Why did you, and what classes were they? So I, I think it was mostly just social. I had a lot of friends who were going to a charter school and I wanted to go too. So I went for social dance and AP calculus and it was really fun. I loved it. Do you know what informed your parents' decision to homeschool? Yeah, my parents were really interested in homeschooling when I was young because my mom just said that she felt like she wanted to look into other educational philosophies. I think maybe she didn't love her school experience. Hmm. And she was working as a counselor at Brigham Young University. And she met some kids who'd been homeschooled while she was working at the university. And they'd been admitted at really young ages, like 14, 15. And she was just really impressed by them. So she asked their parents what they did. And she was like, oh, I think I could do that. That sounds fantastic. Wow. And then I believe you and most of your siblings are all homeschooled. Yes. So I was homeschooled and my youngest sibling is currently 10 and he's still being homeschooled. So that's a lot of years of homeschooling. I don't know. There's always a trade-off. Every choice that we make in life, there's trade-off, right? Either it's opportunity cost or like a financial trade-off. But with homeschool, I guess, what were the, some things that you really enjoyed? And then what were some things looking back that you wish were different? I really enjoyed the freedom, just the freedom to explore what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, the freedom to read all the time. I mm. think that's pretty common. A lot of homeschoolers love to read. And I read a lot, probably like 30 books a month as a <laughs> child. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I think I read about a book a day when I was like 10. and It was fantastic. I wish I still could read that much. I wish I had yeah, the time. Same. Okay. And then what were some of the aspects that you felt were less than ideal? Less than ideal. I was really shy and I probably would have benefited from more forceful, like people forcing me to come out of my shell, possibly. I don't actually know though. I feel like maybe I just would have re resisted that and it mm. wouldn't have turned out well. So I don't know. As I've talked to homeschoolers, we'll oftentimes end up in this space where it's like, I just don't know how I would have turned out. I had one homeschooler the other day, I was talking to him and he really struggled with English and grammar all through homeschool and he still struggles with it. And he was saying that I don't, I, I just don't know if it would have been different in public school. You know, we only mm -hmm. get to live one life. And so it's just a forever unknown in, in some ways. Okay. So did you feel like homeschool was your choice and like perpetually your choice or was it really ingrained in the family culture and you didn't really feel like you had a, a voice in that? I do feel like it was a family culture thing for most of my life, but I also didn't really want to go to school. So I didn't really care either way. I would I remember actually I would go outside when my friends in elementary school were leaving for school and I would stand at the top of the slide and I would wave at my friends. Oh my gosh. Like, see ya, have fun oh at school. My gosh. And then my what? mom would look out the window and she was feeling all bad. Like, oh, my child is sad that she can't go to school with her friends. Am I doing the right thing? And I actually wasn't thinking that at all. I was like, see ya, <laughs> when you get home, we can play. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so it was just part of the routine. You just kind of like bid farewell and then they showed up at three, four and you were back at it. Yep. 
We just had a great time after school hours. It was fantastic. I'm remembering now being homeschooled. There was a phrase at home. We'd be like, when the school kids come home. And it was like, <laughs> it was like a big marker in each day where, hey, you better get this done before the school kids come home. Because we wanted to go play. And like, oh, this is really interesting. Actually, I'm remembering that my activities in the day kind of wound up to this time when the school kids came home. And I just wanted to be able to go out and and play. So it's kind of funny. I, I'd forgotten that we would say that. That's how we referenced it. We were not the school kids. They were the school kids. <laughs> so That's so funny. funny. Yeah. And I think it's different now too. You and I were homeschooled 20 years ago. And I, I think that it's so different now. It's much easier to find community. It's much easier to go to co-ops or to connect on social media and stuff like that, where our parents I think they were much more isolated and they're kind of just on their own homeschooling in these tiny pockets. I, I think we probably felt that more as kids. I don't know if homeschooling kids feel that as much because they have community to spend time with. Yeah, community and resources. The wealth of online resources available now is just incredible. Like I wish I had Khan Academy as a kid, but it did not exist. But you know what got <laughs> me through college? Khan Academy. Like There I, you go. Yeah, me oh too. Oh my gosh. I watched so much Khan Academy when I felt like the professors just weren't teaching it well enough. I owe half my degree to Khan Academy, honestly. That's, that's the truth of the matter. Okay, so let's talk about college. You were accepted into a pretty large college, Brigham Young University. What was that application process like? Did you just throw it in there or, or did you have a strategy behind your application? I will have to think about that. Um, did you just luck out? I think I, I actually read a lot of books about college acceptance and college preparation. And I don't remember exactly what sparked me to want to go to college so much, but I really did want to go to college, even though my parents were more of the opinion that trade school or other options might be better. I really wanted to go to college. And so I read a lot of books about college applications in high school. And I, I probably read like 10 books about it and also about ACT prep. And so I was just really well prepared. I rewrote my essays a lot of times before I got into the school. I did not know that you were set. You knew what you wanted. And then you just started preparing for it on your own. Yes, I, I did. So did you graduate from high school? Or do you have a GED or anything like that? I graduated from homeschool high school. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. And I was homeschooled. Like, what does that, you have a diploma? So legally in the state of Utah, and I think in most states, your parents, if you're homeschooled, can issue you a homeschool diploma that is legally valid. And so people have to accept it as much as they would accept any other diploma from a high school. I did not know that. So you have a diploma signed like by your parents. Yep, that's correct. Amazing. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, my parents printed it out. They had a really awkward graduation ceremony oh my gosh. for me. It was fantastic. Okay. Okay. So that's what they mean. I, I didn't have that. I just, I just, it just never felt like something I needed. And so, so you do that, you apply to college, you get in. How was that? Did you feel really well prepared? What were the things that were unexpected in college? So I did feel well-prepared. And actually, before I went to BYU, I went to a community college for one semester. That did help me prepare to go to a four-year university as well. Like I went to the community college and I took, I think, a calculus class and a chemistry class and maybe a couple of other classes. And it was a great experience. It really helped me get ready for a really rigorous university environment. And I learned a lot about how schools work. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the system, like the real, I mentioned this in my first episode, I did not know what points meant in college. I was like, you get points? Like points for what? And like this test is so many points. And I was like, well, for why? Like what for? And so I had to figure out like, oh, so many points add up to the total points you can get in your grade in this class. And if you have a certain percentage of the total points you can get, that's your grade. I had no idea. I had no idea. And so that was an aspect for me that I just had to like figure it out, you know, and be in classes and ask questions. Yeah, I think I remember actually my calculus class in college, I failed maybe the first exam. I failed one of the exams. I got a 60 on it. And that was really embarrassing. I was like, I know a lot of these things. I just didn't have enough time to repair. I wasn't used to the really hard deadlines. I hadn't prepared enough. I was working a lot while I was taking those community college classes. And so I really just didn't have the time. I was tutoring like 30 hours a week while I was taking those classes. And it was just really hard. And so I failed the test, felt super bad about it because I had to get A's to get into BYU. And so I realized I did all the math, like you were saying, to figure out what my grade was going to be. And I figured out I had to get a 98 on the final in order oh to goodness. get an A in the class. So the night before the final, I well, I studied really well from the final. But then the night before the final, I reviewed everything for like seven hours up until like four in the morning. And then I slept for two hours, went at 7 a.m., took the test and got a 100%. Yeah, you it was 100%. Awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, I'm remembering all the trauma from my undergrad now where it was hard. It was so hard sometimes working, going to school, and you just have to you you have to present mastery of the material in a very specific time frame, and sometimes if I just have like a little bit more time, I'd be the master of it, you know? But you don't get mm-hmm. that luxury in college. They want you to know it by Wednesday. I can know it by Sunday, maybe. Just hard. It was so hard. Yeah, the deadlines. That was, it was hard to get used to the really strict deadlines and Mm -hmm. just no forgiveness kind of deadlines. (laughs) No forgiveness deadlines. (laughs) But that prepares you for for your career, I think. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much, but response to deadlines is critical. Okay, listeners, a quick word about Audible. As much as I still love reading a physical book, sometimes I just don't have time to sit down and read. That's where Audible comes in for me. I've recently listened to incredible audiobooks like The Power of Habit, The Last Green Valley, and even Harry Potter in Spanish. To get a free 30-day trial of Audible exclusively through the Homeschool Dropout, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the homeschool dropout. That's audibletrial.com forward slash the homeschool dropout. So let's back up really quick. I know when we met, you were running a company called Math Magicians, and I tutored a little bit for you. You just had like this great network, a great community. It it just felt so professional to me. Can you talk about and share with listeners what sparked that and how it went for you? And the last time we talked, you had kind of decided to let that go. What informed all those decisions? Yeah, I started Math Magicians because, well, my parents were really interested in entrepreneurship. That was a big part of our homeschooling. Their homeschooling philosophy was you have to have something that you want to do that you're good at, and they would help us build that. And so I did a lot of entrepreneurial projects when I was a kid, selling pumpkins to the grocery store and stuff like that. But after a while, I really realized that I liked math. And not only that I liked math, but that I was good at explaining math. 
And I would read math textbooks and I would get really upset because once I finally figured out what I was supposed to do from teaching myself from the textbook, I was like, why didn't the textbook just say it in a way that made sense instead of saying it in a way that was really confusing? (laughs) And so I was like, when I grow up, I am going to write a textbook that actually says how to do the math and doesn't confuse people like crazy, like this dumb textbook. Oh my gosh. Young Natalie's dreams are writing textbooks. (laughs) Kills me. Okay. That's what my husband said too. He was like, you like writing math curriculum. That is not where I thought that was going to go. So you just felt like there was a gap in math education in the textbooks. Yeah, I just felt like I was frustrated because I was teaching myself algebra and there weren't great resources like Khan Academy at the time, like I mentioned earlier. And so I just felt frustrated that nothing was available to me to learn it except textbooks that I had to read and interpret myself. So I was going to explain it to people in a way that made sense. So how does that lead into mathematicians then? So I started tutoring in high school when I was taking AP Calculus at the charter school. I had a friend who wasn't very good at math and she was struggling in her class. And her mom came to me and said, hey, Natalie, can you tutor your friend in this class and I'll pay you? And I was like, sure, I would love to tutor my friend and get to hang out with my friend and make money. Sure. So I started tutoring her and realized that had a knack for that. And then her mom actually got me even more students to tutor. Her cousins needed help. Other people needed help. So suddenly I had like five students. So by the time I graduated from high school, I was tutoring 20, 30 hours a week. And it was really, really fun. I liked it. I liked tutoring. I liked working with students of all ages and having fun doing math with them. Very cool. I feel very similarly. I've always enjoyed tutoring. I think it's that learning process is so fascinating to me. And I love seeing the the eyes light up, you know, when they get it. And it, I think it's rewarding for both the instructor and the student. So then you continued tutoring through college. And that's kind of when I met you. Did you finish your, your bachelor's tutoring that whole time? I did. I finished my bachelor's tutoring and I got some other teachers involved like you. I had some other fantastic people who loved math and loved helping students. And it was a great project through college. And after college, I just felt like once I got into my career that it was too hard to keep it going. And I didn't have time to tutor anymore. But someday I would like to pick that up again, maybe when my kids are older. That that definitely makes sense. When I was going through college, I would tutor and then we have a, a family business and I would work on that a lot. I was heavily involved in the family business. Once I took my first job out of college, and was like really focused on my career, I had to let it all go. A professional career is very demanding and consuming, and you have to deliver in that space. You have to give value. And I just didn't feel like I could do both. Yeah, I totally understand. It's really hard to transition from something that you've been working on for a long time and then Mm -hmm. just move on to something else when it comes along. But sometimes it's the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I guess when I think of Natalie Goodman, I think of your tutoring venture. I I just thought it was so cool. Let's pivot a little bit. I know that you have been involved in a lot of educational enterprises in the Pacific Islands. Share a little bit with the listeners what got you into that and the impact that you had in that space. Yeah, I lived in Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands for about a year and a half. And while I was there, I met some really fantastic people. And one of those people, after I moved away from Saipan, he'd started this program called the Million Dollar Scholars in Saipan. And Saipan is a U.S. territory. So people who live there are U.S. citizens. 
But because it's a U.S. territory, it's kind of they don't have to follow all the same regulations that they would in the U.S., but only some of them. So, for example, like housing codes, they don't have to follow those. So there's a lot of tin houses, tin roof, shacks kind of a thing. A lot of people have immigrated from other countries into the U.S., but it's a territory. So it's a real melting pot of different cultures. So a lot of these students have never left the island. A lot of their parents have been there for a really long time. And so my friend started this program to start to help kids go to college off the island. When I talked to him, he needed an ACT prep teacher. And this is while I was doing my mathematicians teaching and tutoring. And so I told him I could come out and do some ACT prep classes. So I would go out there every summer during college and I would teach ACT prep at some of the local high schools in Saipan. It was really cool. I loved meeting all of these amazing students who their parents, a lot of them had no education. Like their parents didn't even have a first grade education in any language. And so they couldn't read or write. And these kids had gone to the public school in Saipan and they just done phenomenal in learning and figuring out how they could move to college on their own and take the ACT. It was just a program to support them all the way through to getting to college. And then when they got there, they would go with some of the other students from their high school. So then they could have friends at their college. Wow. I, I didn't even know, I guess, the the objective of you going out there. I just knew that Natalie was like gone for months in, in the middle of the <laughs> Pacific. Those are not big islands. And I guess reflecting on that too, and for listeners, both Natalie and I come from Polynesian heritage. My grandpa on my mom's side, he was one of the first Hawaiians to get off of the islands, which is really hard. It, it is a huge achievement for islanders to get off the island. It just takes a lot and it is, it's very difficult. And so you're a couple years away from this now, Natalie. Do you have students you worked with who are off the island? Yeah, so a lot of the students who are in my ACT prep class, some of them have since graduated from college here in Utah in wow. from Utah State, from SUU. And it's really incredible that they've been able to do so well and get jobs after graduation. I've been so impressed with them and their success. Yeah, that is changing lives for generations. I would just have so much pride in working with students that their families are forever changed because they got into college and you were a big part mm -hmm. of that. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, it really was incredible to me to see just how how great the public school system was for these kids, just because growing up homeschooling was, that was what I did. And there were kids in my neighborhood who went to the public school, but these kids in Saipan, like they needed the public school because their parents didn't speak any English and didn't read or write. And so that was their only option. And it was a fantastic option for them. I think it's such a good thing to highlight. I mean, you and I have talked about this. There is a tendency for homeschoolers to, to start leaning into kind of an elitism and almost like a moral superiority that, you know, we've seen the light and we know how education should be. And we're the only ones brave enough to do it, which I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think there's great courage in homeschool. And Look at the good the public system in Saipan has done for these kids. There is there is a place for public education, and it's so wonderful. It's available to so many. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I really think that 
a lot of students, they just really need a variety of options, I think, going through K through 12 education. And for me, I really enjoyed having some online classes. And there's so many programs out there now for parents to get funding for homeschool. Like a lot of online charter schools will buy your books for you and things like that, but still support you in your homeschooling so that you don't necessarily have to stay on a strict schedule or study a specific curriculum. Like there are programs where you can still choose what you want to learn and how fast you want to learn it, but the school will support you in your goals. And I think that it's important to think about every year what like what is best for every child and how how should it work that year for their education. Absolutely. I feel so strongly about that. I had a very buffet-style education. I feel that I really chose each step once I could. You know, in high school, I could really say, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this with my time and I'm going to do this. So I benefited from the public system. I took online classes. I went to charter schools. It was just everywhere I could get information about the things I wanted to learn, I went out and got it. And that was really nice. And in conjunction with that, there's a lot of movement right now. I think Arizona just passed like a school choice bill. The money is going to students now. The parents can decide where they want to help their child get the education. And I think that's really powerful. I really like that movement. Let's kind of wrap up a little bit here. More personal questions, maybe. What is your plan with your own children? Do you think you'll homeschool? Do you think you'll public school? I am very open to homeschooling when the time comes. My daughter is 18 months old right now, so she's still a baby. But but I have thought a lot about whether I'm going to homeschool. And I did really enjoy homeschooling. I loved the freedom and I loved what it gave me and how independent it made me and confident, I guess, in my ability to learn new things and figure out things that I didn't know how to do. So I do feel like it's something I will definitely be open to, but My husband and I, we both work full-time right now. We are both working full-time from home, so our daughter's at home with us. So, you know, maybe we'll homeschool and work full-time when she's older, but I don't know how that could look. Great points. I have talked to my cousin who homeschooled a little bit in in her community, and then the family kind of came upon more difficult, just the arrangement and the conditions of the family changed, and she just didn't feel like she could homeschool anymore. And she felt a lot of pressure from her homeschool community to keep homeschooling. And I just think if your circumstances don't allow you to homeschool as a family, you don't have to force this. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot that goes into homeschooling. And if it's not time, it's not time. And you just use the system and 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 contribute to the system and benefit from it. Yeah. And there are some really fantastic hybrid options near my house now. And so that's something I would be very interested in, like a two day a week, they go to school, three day a week, they stay at home and do their own study program. I think that kind of thing is awesome. Yeah. And there are a lot more of those opportunities now. What advice do you have for new homeschooling families, those who are like a year or two in? What would you say to them? I guess just considering what is right for every child at that time. For me, I was kind of unschooled a lot of the time when I was in elementary school. We didn't have very formal programs. And for me, that worked out really well, even though I probably was behind in like the sixth grade. I wasn't wasn't on top of all the things that other kids in sixth grade knew how to do. But after that, I really caught up and just because of the peer pressure, the independence, <laughs> the figuring out what I liked and 
it just came naturally and I figured it all out. But I do think that some kids, I've talked to other homeschoolers who they've wished that their parents had made them do more school in their elementary or older elementary and junior high years. They just felt like it was too lax and maybe they should have been held to a standard. So I do think that's important to consider as well. The individuality of homeschooling, it provides for a really rich experience and understanding that it is okay to do different things with different kids. I was in public school when the rest of my siblings were homeschooling. That's just what my parents felt like I needed for that year. And maybe they were right. I loved it. I loved the years that I had in public school. The exposure is so fun. And there's people your age and just like running around. And then when I was home, I loved it. And so I just feel like I lucked out a lot in how my path worked out. And I know that's not how it is for everyone. And maybe that's what you're highlighting that Doing all we can for each individual student, each individual child helps homeschooling provide the best experience possible. Yeah, I think that is kind of how I feel about it. The eclectic kind of a mix is really fantastic and so available now that it's just a really great resource to be utilized every year. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much does it for today. I'm so glad we were able to come on and catch up a little bit, Natalie. I'm always very impressed by everything you're doing. We'll just have to stay in touch. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike. This has been great chatting with you. Hey, everyone. To make sure you don't miss weekly episodes of The Homeschool Dropout, Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcasting platform.